You're listening to Men of Abundance. This is episode 107, part one of Side Hustle Week. And today we're starting off our conversation with Peter Alwed. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. Aloha, men of abundance. I am so freaking excited about this week. This week is Side Hustle Week because I have the amazing opportunity to talk with three of the favorite guys I like to follow when it comes to Side Hustle. All of these guys have a podcast, but that's not where they started. They all have amazing stories of their own, and you're going to hear all three of them this week. We're starting today with Peter Alwed. And throughout this week, we're going to be talking about the importance of having a side hustle. What kind of side hustle should you have? And should you quit your job? That kind of doesn't make it a side hustle anymore, does it? So you want to think about that. We're going to have those conversations. We're going to have these hard conversations. And I don't agree with everything everybody says all the time. But these guys are so spot on. It's it's uncanny. And they shared so much amazing information with me and so many golden nuggets that you're going to be able to literally take to the bank in the matter of weeks or months, depending on what it is that you start to decide to do. And if you already have some sort of a side gig, some sort of an extra stream of income, you're definitely going to want to listen in because you might find out a way to further increase the value to your customers and therefore greatly improve the bottom line of your business. Eventually, someday, you may aspire to turn your side hustle into a full-time gig, and you can do that too. All of these guys have the skills to do that, and I'm going to be sharing some additional information with you before and after some of the episodes and during the middle of the episodes. Speaking of which, one of those resources I've already shared with you at one point is Freedom, the membership site. It's known as the Netflix for entrepreneurs because of all of the videos and all of the information in there to help you from start to finish in your side hustle or your full-time business, whatever it is. Everything from Facebook marketing, the new Facebook bots that are out there that everybody's clamoring about, the everything from membership sites, start a podcast. There's even some really good mindset stuff in there, which, as you know, is extremely important to me because you can have all the skills in life. You can have all of the best business skills, relationship skills or whatever. But if you don't have the right mindset, you're literally dead in the water or at least you won't get very far. That's my personal experience. And as you know, that's the experience of many of the individuals and extremely successful people that I've had conversations with here for Men of Abundance and in my personal life. And I can only assume that's why you come back every single week to listen to Men of Abundance, and I greatly appreciate it. If you are getting something out of this, make sure you share Men of Abundance with others, especially share this week part one, two, and three of Side Hustle Week. Now, let me briefly introduce Peter to you. When Peter's not traveling the country with his wife and four kids, he's challenging what it means to raise a family in the connected economy. 
founder and host of the Slow Hustle podcast. Peter interviews founders to dissect how they are managing the responsibility of scaling the business while also incorporating slowness into their business and personal life. He is also the co-author of a mission-based snack food company, Mission Meats, and the founder of an e-commerce automotive parts business, Import Auto Performance. When I started listening to this podcast, the Slow Hustle podcast, I wasn't really keen on the idea of slow hustle. First off, I never really cared for the term hustle to begin with. But then slow hustle just seemed kind of odd to me. It didn't make sense to me until I really started listening to the conversations that Peter's having on his show. That's when it clicked. We have that conversation. Me and Peter talk about this in the conversation. So guys, it is my honor to introduce to you Mr. Peter Alwood. Peter, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Where are you at in the world? I am currently uh, in Southern California, physically in an RV in the parking lot looking over the ocean. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy. You sound happy and you look happy too because it's rare that I do these on video and I'm looking right at him and he definitely looks excited. I am <laughs> sitting in my Toyota Tacoma pickup truck where I where I broadcast about 80% of my episodes looking out over the ocean as well, but I'm in the middle of the Pacific. <laughs> <laughs> so we neither neither one of us have anything to complain about today. Nothing, nothing whatsoever. You know, and even when I do complain, others don't want to hear it anyway, and they just get more pissed off at me. So I just leave That's it right. alone. <laughs> That's right. That's right, man. Cool. So I like to start out the show basically the way I start every single morning, which is with an attitude of gratitude. What do you have to be grateful for today, man? Oh man, that is really everything. I'm I'm grateful for uh, to have a supportive wife and for healthy children to be in this position where I can sit and record from an RV and look over the ocean and just to be free man to have autonomy to do what we want to do with who we want to do it with. So I'm I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I dig it, man. You know, I've been following you for quite some time. I've been listening to your podcast and we're going to get into my motivation and listening to your podcast and my um, aha moment, if you will, as I was going through it. But here on Men of Abundance, we really like to get to know the man behind the abundance. And we've already talked a little bit about what you're doing with your basically three businesses, with your Slow Hustle podcast and your food business. And you got so much going on, man. And then you got four kids on top of that. That is, that is, most people would already be pulling their hair out and saying, I'm done. But you got yeah. it managed, man. But let's get a little bit personal right now. Yeah, man. Um, I'll give you the nickel tour. And so, uh, you know, grew up with uh, two parents who immigrated from Egypt and the whole bit where, you know, they moved here, didn't speak a whole lot of the language, you know, clothes on their back, 500 bucks, that whole thing. Um, and I got to see through their lives and, you know, being with them, growing up with them, just what it took to hustle and to raise a family and to just work really hard and in order to make ends meet and to grow from there and have a thriving business and, and, and all that stuff. And so very early on, I credit my work ethic to them and being able to see that, what it took to, to really make to make a business work, you know, and to have employees and do all these different things, right? And so um, doing what most um, Egyptians or Indians do in Florida, they had a grocery store, right? And um, that's just kind of what you do, right? Yeah. And so grew up in the grocery store environment, you know, making sandwiches, mopping floors, selling beer and cigarettes when you weren't supposed to and all this stuff, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, fast forward a few years, I'm in college, I'm going through an engineering program um, and accidentally started an e-commerce company in 2000. And um, 
find that I just really love that, you know. And so, and then not really realizing at the time that I've been in sales my whole life, you know, selling whether you're selling sandwiches or um, selling uh, toys and Disney, which is a real true story. And I did that for a couple of years in high school, and then starting an e-commerce company. I've just always been in sales, and realizing that I'm pretty good at it, and, and I enjoyed it. You know, I enjoyed taking something from nothing, right? Or creating a connection, like I was telling somebody earlier today in an interview, um, of just like making a connection between a person and a product or a person and a vendor and having to be that conduit. Um, and so, you know, I had that company and um, still have that company. It's an automotive parts business. And since then, starting and failing many other companies, um, one of those was a, t- a tech startup, still around, but I, I had exited out of that uh, recently. Um, but during that time of extreme hustle, during that time of working really long hours and having a lot of babies um, and, and thinking to myself, like, this can't be it. Like, this can't be the life that I'm supposed to live. This can't be the life that I'm going to live for the rest of my life because I see myself as an entrepreneur and I love to grind and I love to create. But it's like, this can't be what it, it's going to be. This can't be all of it. And so... Um, in that realization, and then also looking back and seeing the life that my my dad lived, which was, and I share the story all the time on the show, of one day dancing in the kitchen, the ne- next day with his head in his hands, saying they're going to maybe go out of business and thinking that he was crazy, and then seeing that in my life, you know, 20, 25 years later, and thinking this is, most of this is due to overwork. Most of this is due to having a very short sight uh, um, or being short-sighted on the business and being too granular on numbers. And so that's where Slow Hustle was born for me is like, you know, there's got to be a counterbalance. As Jay Papasan, which I think mm-hmm. you had on the show, says there's not balance, right? And I've never believed there's a balance. There's, the pendulum is never sitting dead center. And if it is, it's there for a split second and then it moves to one side or the other. It's more about counterbalance. And it's counterbalancing that need to grind and hustle with slowness and that's why we put these two words that don't seem to make any sense these two words that don't seem to go together we put them together because you need that counterbalance you need to have semblance and slowness in your everyday not working you know 51 weeks out of the year taking one week off and thinking that it's gonna get counteract all those those other those 51 weeks of grind right there's got to be slowness on your day-to-day and it's how you incorporate that um, that will then affect your happiness your level of success um, your level of, of gratitude in the day-to-day life. Yeah, I got to, as we were talking before the show, I really struggled with the whole idea of the slow hustle. And as I listened to your show and I listened to the guys that you're talking to, all I heard was hustle. That's all I heard because that's all I've known. I mean, seriously, I talk to entrepreneurs all the time, been in and out of entrepreneurship, various jobs and everything, and all, I'm always hustling. And And you think, well, the guys that are making it, because that's what we see. Those are the guys that are out there hustling. And you see them everywhere. You see Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, you see, you just see people everywhere hustling all the time. So you think, you, you just inherently think, hey, that's what I have to do to, to get there, to get to that point. And I really struggled with the slow hustle. And I kept listening at the end of your show. And I'm going to ask you this question too because I want to know your answer. I've never heard you answer what, what, is, what are your thoughts about the message of slow hustle. So I know you got it, but, um, but for me, I I kept looking at it and I was like, you know what? That's me. I, I don't want, I don't want to be in a point to where I've got 50, you know, um, employees working for me. I've got 
millions of dollars to manage. I've got all of this stuff. It's not that I don't want the, the responsibility. It's just I don't want that in my life. I, I hustled 25 years in the Army, and I was gone all the time. I want to slow down, man. I live in Hawaii for a reason, you know, and and I just want that slow hustle. And then it just hit me one day, and I was like, damn, that is it. He's on it. He's got the he's got the you know he's got the mojo there. So I had to get you on the show and have this conversation. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah, you, man. So, so what is that? What is the? Let's go ahead and ask that question while we have it now. What is the the slow hustle message to you? Yeah. Why is it important to me? Yes. As we always ask. I mean, I, it's important for me because something that I'm harping on really, really heavily lately is like defining success. Right. And so success for me means autonomy and it's autonomy period. Right. So it's autonomy to work where I want to work, live where I want to live, work with the people I want to work with, work on the projects I want to work on. Right. And so um, that's my definition of success. And in order to have that, I have to I have to maximize on the slow hustle. I have to have the perspective that I'm not here on this earth to grind my face off 24-7 until I die. Like, that's not what I was meant to do, right? Um, I have a family. I have a wife and I have kids and I have people to manage. And so, um, for me, slow hustle is important because it's a constant gut check. It's a constant reminder that we are here to live life, Mm -hmm. right? The businesses are here to work for us. The money's here to work for us and not the other way around. And so many of us are confused on that. So many of us don't have our own definition of success, we're operating on somebody else's. So you, you mentioned Gary Vee, you mentioned all these other people, and a lot of times people are like, yes, I love that message, and I'm, I identify with it, and I'm going to go after it, not realizing what they're actually committing to, mm-hmm. not realizing that they're following somebody else's dream and somebody else's definition of success, and not realizing what the outcomes are. The outcomes are truly that you might come home one day and your wife is gone. You might come home one day and realize 10 years have passed and your kids have grown up and you don't know them anymore. You might realize that you've missed all the major landmarks because you were so busy grinding and following somebody else's success. And now you've found yourself in an unhappy place wondering how this happened. And it's because we don't have our own definition. And I really dig it. So at this point, you know, I like to get into this kick in the gut moment. And I don't really bring this up and I don't like to highlight it. But I do like to point out that those of us who are forward movers and want to do amazing things in our lives and touch the lives of others, we have kick in the gut moments. Whether you're touching the lives of your family members, your community, or even you have worldwide dreams, um, you're always going to have those kick in the gut moments. I'd love for you to share one of those with us. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I've got plenty. Um, and there's <laughs> one I haven't shared in kind of, in kind of a long time. Um, and so my wife's family's got kind of some history of cancer. And I remember when her um, uncle got diagnosed, it was, you know, stage four kind of thing. He didn't have a whole lot of time. And I want to say he passed away just before or just after his first Social Security check. And this guy is a guy who had a dream that once he retired, they would do a lot of traveling. And once he retired, they'd be near their kids. And once he retired, fill in the blank, right? Mm. Um, And that was one of the moments where I'm like, this is, I mean, we've got it so backwards in our society where, you spend your best and most healthy years working and grinding in order to then, you know, eventually have the life that you want to live, live the life that you want to live, have the autonomy and the flexibility that you want to have, et cetera, et cetera. 
when now is the time where you can live kind of your best years. Like now is the time where you can most enjoy your kids or your wife or your friends, your family. Um, now is when you have the most ability to really like do some adventuring, right? And it's not that you can't do it later, but it's like, why don't we live life now? Right? Why do we have, as I think as Tim Ferriss quoted, is is the deferred life plan? Like we're gonna defer, you know, we're gonna have this this, this plan where we're gonna defer real life to later. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I tr- I, fr- I firmly acknowledge that there there are some situations when you can't have all that flexibility, or certain people that are in working positions where they can't just move around, or or maybe your kids are really rooted in the area that you're at and you can't float around, or maybe you have no interest in floating around. Maybe you're totally happy being at home, you're a homebody, totally cool. There's still ways that you can level up the way that you enter into the world and the way that you interact with the world and the way that you perceive the world, right? And you talk about these guys that are working 120 hours or gals that are working 120 hours a week, right? They're like, To me, it's super short-sighted to work like that. And once again, acknowledging that there are some modes where you got to put in the time. There are some times when you're going to like, I mean, there was a time this last fall where I had to make some changes in one of the companies. I told my wife, I'm like, this next two months, I'm going to be working a lot. And I have this, this, this time I got to put in. And she understood it too. But through these short spurts, I'm not going to live life like that forever. I can't. I mean, I, I won't. And so uh, for me, that was my kick in the gut moment. And there's been several since then where I'm just like, it's one of these like kind of slaps in the face where it's like, man, life is not guaranteed. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. And so we've got to live every day as if it's our last, right? And you hear that all the time, but I feel like once you, like once kids enter the picture, um, as I told someone else earlier today, you have these living timelines, and you mm-hmm. see time passing, and you realize, holy moly, they had some like landmark moment today where they did something for the first time, and that's never going to happen again, never. Like my my son, who's been reluctant to swim, he just I was walking past him yesterday. We was at the pool. Um, we were, you know, walking to the other side. He's like, look, Dad, and he swam. And it's never going to happen again. That happened right. yesterday, and his first time swimming will never happen again. And so these are these things where you can miss. And so it's like, man, i got living timelines in my house. I can't live life this way. I can't continue to miss these different moments that will never happen. And then you're going to look back 10 years from now and think very uh, sentimentally about how they used to crawl into bed with you and how they used to do all these things. Some things that are annoying now, later on you're going to look back and be like, oh, remember those days? And so understanding that you're going to eventually have that perspective, to me, is my continual gut check to be like, man, dude, you got to be present. You can't miss these moments. You can miss some, because that's going to happen, but you can't continue to miss them all. You can't continue to be so short-sighted and focused on what you're working on now, because there's never an end to it. There's always more to do. There's never a bottom. Exactly correct, 100%. And let me clarify, the 120 is actually a pay period, so it's two weeks. But it's still, mm-hmm. nonetheless, normally it's 80-hour week. That's what most people do. But, you know, you brought it up with the um, with the one thing, the book, The One Thing, and I had that conversation with Jay Pepizan, the co-author with Gary Keller. And they talk about exactly that. You were talking about it earlier, that counterbalance. And, like, as long as you want to progress in one part of your life, there's always going to be that counterbalance. Rather, it's you're, you're, you're striving on a project at work or you want to push a product out or you want to you know get a new website started or you want to start a podcast for your business, whatever it is. Or, you know, it's, it's soccer season and you want to be at every one of your kids' games. Something's going to have to give on one side or the other. Everybody always wants to build a legacy. What do you want to do? I want to build a legacy. Well, what does a legacy look like to you? Most of the time, it's leaving gobs of money 
back when you're gone so that your family can spend it and, and live on it or whatever the case may be. Who knows what they're going to do with it? For me, I collect experiences. I collect those those times that will stay in their head no matter what. That's how I'm going to build a legacy. That's my legacy I want to leave behind is those exciting moments. And it looks like you're obviously doing exactly the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have very much this experiences over stuff mindset where we know that those things are going to last. And I, I use this example because I think it's, it's just, to me, it's still very relevant. You know, you have things that you can buy, and then a year later you forget about them, or a year later they're in the garbage, right? Or a year later, you know, you goes from that fancy new iPhone to now it's just like, you know, just a phone that's in your pocket. Like, you don't even think about it anymore. Versus, um, you know, we, um, in Hawaii, in Maui, uh, for our honeymoon, which is now, geez, uh, 13 years ago almost, we um, biked down Haleakala, right? And that downhill bike tour has gotten better every year. Mm-hmm. Every year we think about it, we think about it more fondly, right? And we look at the pictures, and I can feel what it was like biking down that and coming down through the clouds. I can feel what it was like to watch the sun come up. I can feel all those things, right? And so the experiences, they stick. You're right. I mean, they stick in your head. They, they appreciate over time. And those are the things the kids are going to remember, right? And so, like, for us, it's like we would much rather get rid of most of our worldly possessions and spend that on experiences spend that on meeting new people spend that on being in different surroundings um, different environments different foods different cultures everything because that's the stuff that not only is going to be remembered but it's going to influence kind of what kind of person they are right and how they see the world and if it's, is it through like one little single lens or they can can they see things from different from people's um, viewpoints different viewpoints and so I'm, I'm with you man I think that um, the experiences over stuff mindset is incredibly valuable. Yeah, exactly. My wife and I recently have been playing around with the idea of just leaving Hawaii. We've been here for a total of nine years. We've been here six years, almost seven years this last time. And we just, we've been playing with the idea of just getting rid of everything, going back to the mainland, getting an RV and just traveling around. Cause with my income, my residual income, everything I have, we can totally do that uh, very comfortably. So we're going to pay it forward at this point. You ready to do that, Peter? I'm ready. Hey, man, you know here at Men of Abundance, I'm really big on living your life of abundance in family, faith, finances, and fitness. And we have all of these discussions. But one of the things that we've been talking about lately is improving and increasing your finances. And there are so many reasons for that that I'm not going to get into today. But we're always talking about why it's important and a few ideas about how you can do that. But I've never really shared the nuts and bolts about exactly what to do and how to do it. So today, right now, I'm going to share with you one of the resources that I personally use that keeps me on track and up to date with all the latest trends and everything about my personal business. And if you have a business and are struggling at this point or thinking about starting a business, this is a resource that you absolutely must get your hands on. I am talking about a membership site called Freedom. It's spelled F-R-E-E-D-Y-M. This is the Netflix for entrepreneurs because I can't even tell you how many videos are in here for you to learn from. Everything to have to do with entrepreneurship, motivation, 
personal growth, marketing, money, lifestyle, membership sites, you name it, everything you need to get started is right here. And since I'm a member, you can get started for just $1. The way to do that and to get to that link is to go to menofabundance.com, click on the resources tab at the top of the page, and scroll down and you will see the Freedom logo, F-R-E-E-D-Y-M. Click on that, take a look, see everything that they have, and get started for just $1 and get inside. You're going to be blown away at how much information is in there. I'm loving it. I'm using it. And it is greatly assisting me in building my side hustle and building my membership site. So right after this conversation, go to the resources tab at menofabundance.com and go check it out. All right, let's get back to the conversation. All right, brother. So give our abundant leaders one to three actionable steps that they can take today. So, you know, for me, I talk about this all the time on the show. I'm, I'm all about effectiveness and productivity. And um, that has changed for me over the years. And so, um, not to beat a dead horse, but one thing influenced me kind of leveling up on how I attack that. And so, I'll, I'll give you some tangible tips, right? So, for me, um, batching and blocking has been huge. And so, I'll tell you what that means. So, I batch tasks, and so a very simple, very, very, very simple example is like I check mail once every two weeks, and that's the most frequent. Sometimes I'll check the mail once a month because you can grab all that mail, process it through. There's nothing really (laughs) typically very actionable in there, right? Uh, Process through the mail, and it's gone. do the same thing with my inbox. I I get into it in the afternoon when I can um, so that I can just be most effective. And the example is always um, one that I use from Zig Ziglar, and he used to always talk about how how um, uh, effective and efficient you were, you are the day before vacation. So you think about your day before vacation. <laughs> what are you doing? You're hammering through stuff, right? Checking yeah. things off the list because you got to get it done because you're going out of town, right? And it's like, why can't you be like that every day of the week? Why can't you be like that when you're not going on vacation, right? That focused and that diligent on just knocking things out, mm-hmm. right? And so. The, the batching is, is critical, but the blocking is also very critical. So what I do, per the one thing, is blocking out the mornings, not checking Facebook, not checking your phone. Most of the time I'm on do not disturb, if not airplane mode. Not checking texts, not making phone calls. There's no meetings, nothing in the morning, so that I can focus on what is critically important. What it is that I am most good at that will move the needle, and what, however you measure that is fine. Um, the way that the the thing that one thing how it influenced me is that I had always been blocking. I'd been blocking for years, but I was attacking the wrong stuff, hmm. right? So I was being a, incredibly efficient and effective on the wrong things, things that I was putting priority on, which really there were other things that should have had a much higher priority. And so the example would be maybe I blocked out the morning and I was knocking out bills or I was knocking out purchase orders or whatever the case was, right? Those are things I could have easily done with not a whole lot of brain power in the afternoon when I have less brain power. When I'm most on fire in the morning, I should be working on what? Things that move the needle. And in my case, that's sales, right? So working on things that are really going to power growth for the e-commerce company, working on new sales channels, working on new, you know, with new clients, things like that. Um, and so blocking out the day and really working on the things that you are personally most effective at. And so batch block and the the very third the third thing is if you're not an early riser i i suggest that you be one there are very few people that are truly most effective when they wake up late and working through the night there are those rare cases but 
you're probably not one of them, right? And so waking up early and really having an incredible morning routine. And so um, uh, I had Hal Elrod on the show long ago um, and, and read Miracle Morning, and that kind of changed the way and gave me some kind of framework in which I wake up. So not only waking up early, waking up early and having some purpose, right? So for me, that's having an a, a, a extremely healthy and disgusting smoothie. Um, that's what I have in the morning. And then I have a morning routine that has to do with visualizations and gratitude and prayer and um, reading the Bible and, and just having some quiet time. And so um, those are the things for me that I think that really set me up to win the day. And does it work every day? No. You know, the other day we stayed up too late watching a series on Netflix, my wife and I, and then my kid was up screaming all half the night. And I couldn't get up in the morning. <laughs> it couldn't happen. Yeah. Um, and what do I what do I do? And this is, doesn't work all the time. But I'll try to have a reset. And so I had this happen a couple of weeks ago. And so um, at noon, I had my breakfast smoothie, and then I did my morning routine at noon, walking to the coffee shop. I had an americano, just like it was morning, even though it was now probably like twelve forty-five. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I tried to have a reset, and it worked. It doesn't work all the time, but. For us, and for me specifically, it's not so that I can have a guaranteed win. It's that I'm more often than not on point and, and doing the things that I need to be doing in order to move the needle. I'm glad you brought that up that it doesn't work every time because same thing. I'm usually in bed by 9, 10 at the very latest. I'm up by 4.25. That's when my alarm goes off. And I usually wake up just before my alarm and just kind of lay there, say my morning prayers and gratefulness and all this stuff before I roll out of bed. But last night, my wife and I decided to stay up late and watch a movie. So I shut it off and woke up at 5.35, but I you know, got started nonetheless. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do better tomorrow, I promise. Yes. <laughs> I know, love that, that you said that. I love that you said that because I used to be so um, un- What's, what would be the word? I, I, I didn't give myself any slack, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would be really down about the fact that I didn't have the day I wanted to have. And I've gotten into this pra- habit, and I don't remember where it even started, but it, uh, my wife would say, so how'd the day go? And I would say, I'm going to try again tomorrow. Right? I just didn't have the day that I wanted, and there's no reason to dwell on it. I'm just going to try again tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. And that, to me, just gives me a little bit of slack. Like, dude, you can't be on point every day. They're not always going to go the way you want. Some days there are truly fires that you got to put out, and it's going to derail your entire day. Don't dwell on it. Just try again tomorrow. Right, absolutely. So you already mentioned quite a few of them, but uh, I'm going to ask you just in case you have some others, what other daily habits make up the biggest impact in your life? Yeah, I mean, the morning routine and batching and blocking are huge to me, man. Um, And I guess one of the things I guess I want to really harp on is the airplane mode and, and and the blocking. Some people tell me they're like, you know, you can't, I can't do that. I, um, you know, I there are a lot of things in my business or my in my work that the, the buck stops at me, and um, there are a few of those fringe cases that that's true. But a lot of times it's just how you train people to interact with you, mm-hmm. and how you set the agenda for your own day. And so I see phone calls, especially unsolicited ones, text, email, as other people trying to set the agenda for your day. Whether it's intentional or not, it's a whole other story, right? But they're setting the intention, they're setting the agenda for your day, when really it needs to be the other way around. You need to set the agenda, and the only way that you can do that is by a limiting your interaction during periods of time when you're blocking, which is by airplane mode. Do not disturb on your Mac if you have one, and just not letting the noise in until you're ready for it. Um, and the other thing is, is training people how to interact with you, right? And so sometimes I'll have a, re- I'll have an, an out of office reminder that just says, hey. I'm, I've got my head down and I'm plowing through stuff. 
if this is truly urgent, put urgent in the subject, you know, send me another email with urgent in the subject line and the fairies will get a hold of me, right? And my fairies is using this IFT, IFTTT recipe that if I get an email with urgent in the subject line, um, I'll get a phone call from them and it'll say, you've got an urgent email from, and it tells me, right? Mm-hmm. And then I know that I need, to, I need to get in my inbox and handle that. I'll tell you how many times it happens is, is very, very few because when people have to stop and pause, they think, hmm, is this truly an urgent thing? No, it's not. It's mm-hmm. very rarely it's very rarely urgent. Sometimes it is, but very rarely when they have to stop and really think that, okay, I'm going to interrupt Peter if I send this. Yeah, I guess it's not that urgent. He can, tell, he can call me in the afternoon. It's not that big a deal now that I think about it, right? right. Um, and so I, that to me is so critically important because if you've got your head down and you're plowing through something, whether it's a blog post or you're working on a project or a spreadsheet, whatever, and you get an interruption that you've let in because you haven't set these, these fences around your time, it's incredibly difficult to get off that phone call or text and then pick it back up. I mean, it's just like the switching costs are so huge, and we don't realize it until we get rid of them, that you can get so much more done when you can kind of put that protection around your time and really plow through things. And even if, it's, if you can only afford 30 minutes or 60 minutes, it's so much better than probably what you're doing right now. No, absolutely. I have things. There's a lot of software out there that you can put on your phone or put on your computer that shut things off certain during certain parts of the day. And my phone, it goes into do not disturb mode at nine o'clock in the evening and doesn't mm-hmm. come back on again until six thirty in the morning. I won't yeah. hear a text. I won't hear a phone call. The light will come on, but that's about it. So I turn my phone upside down so it's there. And the only reason my, why my phone is because I use it as my alarm. We already talked about uh, The Miracle Morning. Great book, by the way. And I have an ups- uh, upcoming episode with uh, Cameron Harold, who's the co-author um, with Harold. And um, they wrote a book, Miracle Morning for the Entrepreneur. Oh, I didn't know about it. Yeah, yeah. So that that episode is coming out really soon. But what are you reading or listening to right now that you'd like to share with our abundant leaders and why? I just started this book. It just came in the mail. Great View from the top, Aaron Walker. Mm-hmm. So um, I just got it in the mail, um, and I'm only like 10 pages in. So, um, but uh, Aaron Walker, I mean, the dude is just, he's an incredible guy. Um, I don't know if you've had him on the show yet or if you're planning on I it. I have, but yeah. Yeah, just an incredible dude. And every time I talk to him, I feel like I've been taken to church. You know, it's like awesome, <laughs> awesome guy. Um, and so I'm reading that right now. And, I, I, you know, I kind of switch back and forth between inspirational books that are um, going to inform my kind of my worldview on life and society and such. Uh, I mix those in with tactical books. So I just finished Tools of Titans from Tim Ferriss. And mm-hmm. um, there's, there was plenty of stuff that I underlined in there that was uh, motivational to me, just on a viewpoint of like, thinking bigger because um, I, I just think that we've got to continue to read as entrepreneurs and continue to glean wisdom because we have the tendency of thinking that we can figure things out on our own um, which is usually unnecessary I mean somebody else has already dealt with that problem before there aren't too many new problems unless you're trying to fly to you know go to Mars or something um, and so it's like you know you can glean wisdom from these entrepreneurs that have paved the way before you yeah, very good point. And I have had Aaron on the show. He's a great guy, and I feel the same way. I've been on one of his videos as well. He interviewed me, and he's just a straight shooter. And I've got his book digital. The hard copy's on its way. So I'll definitely have that book uh, linked up in the show notes at menofabundance.com. Let me ask you this, though, when it comes to reading, because my wife really got me into reading, and I'm terrible about reading novels. I think the last novel I read was Clear and Present Danger. Uh, mm. with Dave, uh, yeah, Clancy. 
but um, I'm all about. I'll, I'll read an encyclopedia before I read a novel. That's just the way I was. <laughs> but here's the thing, and I want to ask you this question, see what your thoughts are on it. And when it comes to tactical type of books and technical books and how-to type of books, there are so many out there on the same subject. And I see people reading book after book after book after book, but not taking action. And I think it's because they got so many, there's so many ways to skin a cat. And they're looking at, this is the way you do Facebook advertising. This is, no, do Instagram advertising. No, do Google. No, don't do that. Do, you know, offline. So what are your thoughts on that as far as reading is concerned? Yeah, I think that we read because we're scared of what's really going to happen when we take action. Mm. I think that a lot of people read and read and read because they're fearful of like actually doing, right? And so they want to have the illusion of working on their dream, but they don't want to actually do it because they're fearful that it's going to fail, right? They're fearful, fearful they're going to do it wrong or nobody's going to want the widget that they're working on. Um, and so I think there's value in reading, right? Like we just talked about, but there's a huge amount of value in taking action. There's a huge amount of value of actually doing and learning and falling down and picking yourself back up. Um, and um, the example I like to give is when I was in college and I was going through my engineering program and I was interviewing for some internships and I had just started the company. I had started uh, Import Auto and it was like maybe six months in or something like that. I had four interviews in the same day and not a single person asked me about my degree, the classes I was taking. They all asked me about the business. Why? Because it was something I was doing, right? You were, right. I was doing it, right? And uh, granted, it was new and the internet was new, fairly new um, in 2000, 2001. But it was something that I was actually doing. Like people want to know your portfolio. They want the things that you've worked on, right? Things that have succeeded, things that have failed because that's where the real learning happens, right? So you got this wisdom that you glean, but you need to learn through the application. Yeah, very good point. I'm glad that you brought that up. I'm at fault for that. I'm, I'm there. I'm that guy. I read and read and read. I wanted to get into real estate for many years. I read Robert Kiyosaki's version. I read everybody's book. I had the old Carlton Sheets program that I probably bought at a, like at a um, yard sale or something like that. Nothing. I was doing no I knew I had a lot of information. But I did. I had no action, and finally, I just buckled down. I paid a guy five thousand dollars to mentor me for a year in lease options. Mm-hmm. I did my first deal, and that that first towards the end of that first month, my second deal made my money back. Into the into the second month, three, four, five later on down the road, and I just found that that was the way for me to take action. What have you found for some of the other guys that you've talked to or yourself to actually take action? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about advice on taking action. I think you got to just do, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like one foot in front of the other, right? Um, and then and then figuring out as you go. And the thing is, is like you can mitigate risk by just asking yourself questions kind of over and over and over again, right? And so um, I'm this kind of guy that is, um, uh, I, don't, I, I don't even know how you want to describe it, but I, I, I am perceived as acting very quickly, right? But in the background, I'm doing tons of research. In the background, I'm being very diligent, right? And so we're sitting in this RV. I'm sitting in this RV right now recording this. I am not a guy who's flashy. I'm not a guy who likes to spend money. I like it in my bank account and not others, as I say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew that this RV was going to be something that was going to give us the um, type of trip that we wanted this time around the country. And But I, I didn't want to spend the money. And so I'm constantly asking myself, like, okay, how can I have what I want but um, but not spend it the way normally people would normally spend it? So I think to myself, 
you know, maybe I could rent it, maybe I can do this. And so I started running tests and I started thinking, okay, so how can I test this idea out with the least amount of risk in order to vet the idea? So I listed an RV that I didn't even own yet. I listed it for rent because I wanted to see what the inquiry level was like in my area. And then I moved the listing to another area and I wanted to see what it was like. And after I vetted the idea, then I went after it, right? But I could I could have sat and just thought about it and ruminated on it forever and wondered without taking a single step forward. Mm-hmm. My single single step didn't cost me anything. And what it did is it started to, to mitigate, right? It started to, to lower the risk level because I started to add data, right? I started, with my action, I was able to support the idea um, or invalidate the idea. I think we're, and this is back to the earlier point, I think the reason some people don't take the action is they're fearful that it will invalidate the assumption, right? I could have listed it and not gotten a single inquiry on rent, and then I could have been like, oh, damn, I really wanted this this rig, but now this process is not going to work. Maybe the process is not, maybe I can't own it, right? Um, but for me, I'm fearful of what I don't know, right? So mm-hmm. I'd rather find out that it's not going to work and kill the idea versus continuing to ruminate and to continue to think about it and burn up this bandwidth on something that, I don't know about. So when I run into someone um, that is ruminating an idea on an idea, and I give them some advice if, if it's solicited, um, and then I talk to them later on, and they're still ruminating, and I ask them what they've done, and they haven't done anything, I will not talk to you about that idea again. Mm-hmm. I can't because it's a complete and literal waste of time. Okay. And uh, one thing I've become very conscious about is that. You have, so some people will say, oh, you should do that on your own. It'll save you this amount of money, and it's only going to take an hour. I'm like, yeah, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about it for like 20 hours trying to figure out this and that. And it's going to run in the background of my mind, and it's going to burn all that up, and that's precious resources, man. Um, and so it, it kills me when I see somebody just continuing to spin their wheels thinking about stuff um, instead of putting it on paper and then taking action. Yeah, I've dealt with that multiple times from people who have solicited information from me or advice anyway. Um, but to get onto your RV, what, so what you're doing is, did you end up doing that? Did you end up buying and then with intentions to rent it out when you're not using it? Is that the intent? Yep, yeah, I, got someone picking, I have someone picking it up tomorrow. Perfect. Yeah, that my aunt and uncle did that years ago, many years ago with their RV, and it's brilliant. That's a brilliant way. And you see what he's done here, guys, is he's just found another way for him to have a, a you know a venue for him to travel around, at least the United States anyway, wherever he wants to go in comfort, have those luxuries. And then when he's not using it, because you're not going to use it 365, rent it mm-hmm. out and have somebody else pay that mortgage. <laughs> That's right. I love That's it. That's exactly right. Yep. Absolutely love it. Wonderful. So... One last question for you before we close this up, and that is, what does living a life of abundance mean to you? It's all back to autonomy, man. I mean, it's all back to autonomy. And so for me, it's like, can I can I live the life that I want to live? Majority of the time, right? I can't I can do it every day. The majority of the time, more often than not. And then can I take the, the resources that I've been given, right? These God-given resources and share those with people. Right, and so like our 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 uh, uh, meat snacks company is called Mission Meats because we partner with missions, and we're able to support organizations that we know and trust that are doing real good in this world. And so for me to be able to do that is like the most humbling experience. And you know, we just recently um, committed to partner with our church here uh, to support a building program that they have um, in, in in Southern Africa. And they thank me, and I think, don't thank me. 
like dude thank you. i like i feel truly humbled and appreciative that i have the opportunity right like to, to be able to support an organization and to be able to be to partner with them and to you know like so for me it's just a very humbling moment right um not not a not a position of like having huge ego or anything like that not at all it's completely absent it's more so like man i cannot believe i get to have the opportunity to do this it's all gratitude i absolutely love that and i'm glad that you brought that up about mission meets because i don't know what you refer to it as but i refer to that as a for purpose business have you read the book um evolved enterprise with yonic silver no, I have not. It's I'll a, check it out. Yeah, definitely check it out. Yannick Silver is a well-known copywriter, but he's written this book recently, within this last year, called Evolved Enterprise. And the whole book is really about just that, for-purpose uh, companies such as um, Pencils to Promise, um, what is it, Tom's Shoes, you know, mm-hmm. all these type of companies that they're there for a purpose, and it's not just to make a profit. And I absolutely love mm-hmm. that concept, and thank you very much. I'm going to say thank you. For doing that because seriously you so many people do something like that and make it a non-profit which has got a whole different connotation these days or just a straight for you know for profit and just you know for yourself and you do with the with the money whatever you want to do with it but at least this way it's truly a for-purpose business and giving back in such a huge way i love it mm-hmm. thank you man thank yeah. you so we're going to close this up, Peter. And before we do, man, you've already left us with so much amazing information and, and uh, gold nuggets here, and I appreciate your time. But leave us with a parting piece of guidance and any other way that we can get in touch with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, my parting piece of information is this, is to pay attention. I mean, pay attention to what's working in your life and figure out how to have more of that. Pay attention to what's not working in your life and figure out how to get rid of that, right? If it's not working and it's something you need to fix, do it. Um, but so many of us are walking around with our eyes closed, complaining about things, wondering why we don't have a different life, wondering why we live in a certain place that we live, wondering why our relationship is a certain way. Um, instead of paying attention to 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 those things and, and making some changes. And so, you know, my advice or my billboard would say pay attention. Um, and we've got a 12-part um, a email series that, that you can have for free. Um, you just text the word slow hustle, all one word, to 44222, and that's yours. And it's um, my surefire ways to win the day. Some of the stuff we've shared today and some of the stuff we didn't get to talk about um, is there. So if you, if you want to have that, that's, that's all yours, man. But I, I appreciate you having me on the show. Excellent. Yeah, my pleasure. Like I said before, we'll have all of that linked up in the show notes at menofabundance.com. Just search Peter in the search bar and it'll pop right up. Peter, truly appreciate your time, man. Have an amazing day. I know this was the last uh, little piece of work you had to do for the day. So what's on the agenda now? I'm going to the pool. I just got to text the kids are at the pool. That's where I'm going. Got them. We got to let you go, brother. Aloha. (laughs) Aloha, man. Take it easy. You too. All right, guys, that's part one of Side Hustle Week with Peter Alwood. What an amazing conversation. What an amazing dude. I dig his background, but you're in for so much more. Tomorrow, I'm going to reintroduce you to Nick Loper from Side Hustle Nation. You heard him before. He's episode 90, but I'm bringing it back, and I'm going to reintroduce you to him for this week, for the Side Hustle Week. And then on Thursday, I'm going to introduce you to Chris Gillibo. Chris has traveled to every single country in the world. He documented it along the way with a blog, started making money with the blog by sharing and telling people how to travel the world using their frequent flyer miles and many other techniques that he figured out along the way. He also had conversations with entrepreneurs 
all over the world, wrote a book called The $100 Startup and so much more. We're going to have so many amazing conversations with Nick and Chris, and you're going to get a ton out of this. Now, I'm going to say this over and over again over the next couple of days. I need you to focus. I need you to find a niche. I need you to find a side hustle that you can resonate with, that you can get excited about, and focus on that one. I'm telling you this because you're going to go on to Chris's website, you're going to go on to Nick's website, you're going to go on to Peter's website, or somebody else's site that has a list of side hustles that you can do. You may already have a list out there. I want you to pick one, focus on it, and follow one course until success. You can get lost in this game And you can end up spending a whole lot of time and money and waste a lot of time and money. I don't want you to do that. I want you to focus on something and start making a few extra bucks just to prove the concept. And then we'll talk about how to really ramp it up in the future. All right, now go out and live your life of abundance. And guys, make sure to pay it forward.